بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته Why is it such a dead audience? Come on السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته Good, mashallah So um, we all love stories That's why we watch movies That's why you know Hollywood is so popular Bollywood, Lollywood, Tollywood Right? So many woods out there that's why we also um, read stories, right? We tell stories to our kids before they go to bed. We also um, watch TV shows, right? TV shows is also, yes, someone was saying something? So TV shows is also something very popular. We, um, who can tell me what are other kinds of stories we do? Even video games, by the way. Did you know that today video games are inspired, inspired by stories? like Assassin's Creed and other games that our youth are addicted to. So these are all different forms of stories that we love. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He knows that we love stories. And that's why He included them in the Qur'an. So one of the you know, beauties of the Qur'an is it's not just a book of laws and regulations and halal and haram. It's a book of stories. And there's so many stories that we can learn from in the Qur'an. And Allah realizes this. But what's, what's really amazing about the word qasas comes from the root word qissa, which means stories, okay? Now, the, the word qissa actually has two words, uh, two meanings in the Arabic language. One is, means to cut, al-maqas, basically, it's called a scissor. The other meaning of qassa means to follow a path, to follow a journey, okay? To follow a journey. And there's a profound meaning in this. That what makes a story amazing is not the facts and the you know, incidences that happen in a story. What makes a story amazing is not the beginning and the end of a story. What makes a story amazing is the journey itself. How a story is told. That's why if you, if you recall many movies, what they do is the first scene of the movie is actually the last, it's the ending of the movie itself, right? For example, someone who is uh, being executed. They show you the ending. This guy, is, he's done something messed up and he's being executed. But then the screen goes black and all of a sudden now, you're wondering, what did this guy do? And the screen says, several years ago. This is what happened. But you don't shut the movie off and, and say, I know the ending already. What do you do? You continue watching the movie. Why? Because you want to know what's going on. What's next? What happened? Why did this guy do what he did? And how did he end up in that situation? And so what makes the story amazing is the way it is told. Now Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the Qur'an, He makes a claim, okay? It's a very profound claim. He makes a claim and the claim is نَحْنُ نَقُصُّ عَلَيْكَ أَحْسَنَ الْقَصَصِ In Surah Yusuf. There is no doubt about it, we tell you the best stories, okay? Now if we ask our kids, what's the best story you've ever heard? What are they going to say? Are they going to say Yusuf stories? No, if it's a girl, she's probably going to say Frozen. If it's a boy, he's probably going to say Lord of the Rings or The Hobbit or Harry Potter, right? Our kids don't really appreciate these stories. And even us, let's be honest. I mean, yes, we all know Yusuf story. We know Musa story. But we don't really feel that kind of excited about these stories. But when, you know, a Shah Rukh Khan movie comes out, then we all get excited. We want to know what the story is. And so why is, it, why is it that Allah is saying this is the best story but we don't appreciate it? The reality of the matter is we haven't followed the story the way Allah has told it in the Qur'an. 
And one of the biggest mistakes that our historians and our authors do in books when it comes to telling stories of the prophets is that they tell them in a chronological order, which makes it, sorry to say, very, very boring. Okay? It's very, and Allah never does that. Allah never tells stories in the Quran in a chronological order. And if you notice, like, even the story of Musa السلام, is told more than 70 different places in the Quran. And it's all like jumbled up. Have you noticed that? This, the story is usually jumbled up and you know, some, stories are, some incidents of stories are repeated with certain details mentioned in one surah and other details mentioned in another surah, right? So this jumble, jumbling up of stories, that is what makes the story amazing. But we, we haven't really appreciated that. So inshallah, my attempt today is through some examples from Surah Al-Qasas to demonstrate to you how amazing Allah's stories are in the Quran. And so I ask Allah to make it easy for me because of course it's a, it's a challenging task to do, inshallah. So I want to give you a little bit of background on Surah Al-Qasas itself, okay? So we understand the context of what we're talking about. So Surah Al-Qasas is a Meccan surah, okay? And it's one of three surahs in the Quran that talk about Musa السلام, at length, okay? So how many surahs are there in the Quran that talk about Musa السلام, at length? Three, okay. If you look at the order of the Quran, the first surah that talks about Musa السلام, at length is Surah Taha, surah number 20, all right? And in Surah Taha, the basic message is it's a meeting between Musa السلام, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on a mountain. And that's when Musa السلام, becomes a prophet, okay? So that's basically the focus of season one. You guys understand what seasons are, right? Or you don't watch TV and like, yeah, you probably don't watch TV. So season one, season two, you guys know what I'm talking about. So season one of Surah Musa is Surah Taha, Surah number 20, okay? Surah number 20. Season two comes a few surahs later, later Surah number 26 is Surah Shu'ara. And the topic there, actually season two is a sequel of season one, where Allah Subh'ala talks about Musa salam's encounter with Fir'aun. That's where the debate happens. So is it, is it a sequel or not? Yes, right? It's following the incident of Surah Taha. And uh, Surah Shu'ara is Surah number 26. Now if you go a few surahs later in the Mus'haf, you will come to season 3, which is Surah Al-Qasas. Now logically speaking, what would you think the incident would be talking about in season 3? Logically, it would be a continuation, right, of the story. But Allah does something amazing in Surah Qasas. He actually takes us back in time to when Musa was born. And that's known as a prequel in storytelling, by the way. Okay? So season one, season two, and then several years ago when Musa was born. Why did Allah Subh'ala do that? Don't movies do that, by the way? You know how like sometimes, for example, um, Lord of the Rings, right? First part talks about a story, and then uh, part two talks about a continuation of the story. The third part is usually what happened 300 years ago, or 200 years ago, right? This is something that Hollywood does over and over and over again. I can give you countless examples of this. But the idea is, Hollywood does this today, Allah Subh'ala did this more than 1400 years ago, in the Quran. But we never really thought, saw it that way, right? So just something to make you appreciate with the puzzles. Now, another interesting thing that you guys all have to realize is 
surah is being revealed to who? To who? The Prophet right? And who, who else is uh, like receiving these revelations? Who else is listening to these revelations? The Sahaba themselves, right? And also Quraysh are listening to these stories. And so, we have to understand the context. The Prophet Muhammad and Musa they have amazing parallels which we sometimes overlook. One of the parallels is Musa's story is a story of good versus evil, right? A story of good versus evil. The Prophet also, his sirah, his story also talks about what? Good versus evil, doesn't it? So the good in Musa's story is, of course, Musa represents goodness, Fir'aun represents evil. Similarly, in the Prophet's story, the Prophet represents good, and the Quraysh represent evil. In Musa's story, he came from a people who were weakened. He, he represented Bani Israel, basically, who were the weak people of that nation. They were oppressed, they were weak. Similarly, the Prophet being a Muslim in Mecca, by the way, this surah is a Meccan surah. So the timing was such that Muslims were being oppressed, they were weak. Isn't that so? You guys see the link? Yes? Next, Musa is so oppressed that he eventually has to escape to where? Median. The Prophet torture gets so bad he has to escape to? Medina. Several years later, Musa comes back and gains victory over Fir'aun, doesn't he? Several years later, the Prophet comes back with the Sahaba in Fath Mecca and they gain victory over Quraysh. You guys see the link now? Okay. So, in a nutshell, this surah is basically good news for the Muslims. And it's a warning for Quraysh. So as Quraysh, as people of Quraysh are listening to this, this story itself, it's actually a warning. It's actually a warning for Quraysh. If you want to continue what you're doing, go ahead. But your end will be like Fir'aun. So that's a little bit of background, inshallah, we'll, we'll go ahead and start with the surah itself, inshallah. A'udhu billahi min ash-shaytan al-rajim. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Allah subhanahu starts off by saying, Qasimim, tilka ayatul kitab al-mubim. Those are the clear and miraculous signs from the book that is clear. Why did Allah use the word book? Why didn't He say Qur'an? Because the book, usually stories, when you read stories, it comes from a book, doesn't it? Allah is hinting to Quraysh that his story is not the words of the Prophet These stories have come from a book which we all know is in the Lawh al-Mahfud, right? So right from the beginning it's grabbing Quraysh's attention that this is not just the Prophet I'm talking, this is actually a story coming down from a book. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then says, We recite unto you the news of Musa and Fir'aun with truth. Now what's amazing about this word with truth is that it has two meanings. Number one, everything in this surah you're about to study, inshallah, there's, there's no masala added to make it exciting. There's no extra like fake blood. There's no extra like you know dancing scenes where just to make the story exciting. This is all true. And what happens in usually in Hollywood and Bollywood movies, doesn't the director add up some, you know, masala and some spices and some achar, right? To make the story more interesting. Allah is saying, I don't need to do that. My stories are all truth 
and they will amaze you just the way they are. We don't need to add extra spices to make it interesting. The other thing here is, the surahs of the Qur'an have purpose. Do Hollywood and Bollywood movies have a lot of purpose nowadays? Yes or no? No, a lot of it is just, you know. I mean, there are some messages here and there, but for the most part, there's basically a waste of time, right? There's just people fighting against each other, or people killing one another, right? Or a love story, and all these things. And so Allah is saying, my stories, they have a purpose behind them. They're not just entertainment. Yes, you will be laughing in the stories, you will be crying, you will be, you know, there's a lot of emotions that go on in the stories, but, it's, but for the most part, there is a higher purpose. And what's the higher purpose? The stories of the Qur'an are going to, inshallah, increase your Iman. Do Amr Khan movies increase your Iman? I don't know, maybe it's some extent. But what about Hollywood movies? What about Lost and Prison Break? Does it increase your Iman? Hmm? What about the Pakistani dramas for our Desi aunties? Do they increase your Iman? Very rarely, right? But the idea here is Allah is saying, yes, these stories are exciting and they're amazing, but the ultimate purpose is it's supposed to uplift your iman. And then Allah starts with a monologue, okay, a monologue. A monologue is basically used for adventure stories. Adventure stories where there's like a long journey ahead. Movies start with like a, a statement, right, a, a very short paragraph. Once upon a time, in a land far, far away, lived a tyrant king. He used to kill children. But one day a baby was born. And that baby will bring the empire down. Didn't that statement all of a sudden summarize the entire story? Right? It's a summary of the entire story. <coughs> Allah subhanahu is gonna do that in these couple of ayat, right at the beginning of Surah Qasas. Okay, so he starts by saying, Inna Fir'auna ala fil Okay? So I want you to imagine the scene. Fir'aun was exalted in the land. Fir'aun had a very high status in his land. He used to say, Ana al-a'la to his people. And he had enslaved all his people. And by the way, his people are split into two categories. Okay? You gotta know this. One is the Egyptians, the Copts, who were his army. People used to work for him. And then there were the slaves, who were known as the Israelites or Bani Israel. Okay, so how many groups under him? Primarily two groups. One were his Egyptians, his people, and then the slaves. Okay, so that's the setting of the story. And Allah's basically drawing an image of this tyrant king who claimed that he is God. He is very ruthless and very corrupt. Okay. And Allah also means that you know his, his government is very stable. Okay, he looks down upon people. And what's amazing about you know, Egyptian architecture is that even buildings today that have, you know these columns, like the White House has columns, even in Greek architecture you have these columns, you know the Roman Empire used to have these columns, these are all inspired by Egyptian architecture by the way. Because these columns are a sign of government stability. Okay? Even the dollar bill, right? We're not talking about Dajjal here, but the pyramid itself is a symbol of stability. And it's used by you know, the superpowers of the world today to, to symbolize government stability. And so Fir'aun was a symbol of stability, a symbol of power, a symbol of you know, high status. That's what Allah is telling us from the beginning. Alright? 
Next, Allah says, He tells us about what His strategy was. He used to divide His people into sects. You know the concept of divide and rule? Yes, we all know that, right? You divide people, you divide your people so that they can fight with one another, so you can chill at the top and watch the show. Enjoy the show and, and make sure that your proceed is set, right? I wonder if that would work for Muslims. Nah, it wouldn't work for Muslims. Will it? Some hints here, okay? He used to make a group from among them very, very, very weak. Yes, Salaifu means very weak, okay? Now, who, who are these people? They are the Bani Israel, the Israelites. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made them extremely, extremely weak. He used to, you know, treat them as slaves. Even the women used to work. And they used to live in really messed up houses, you know, like the ghettos, basically. He used to live in the ghettos, okay? The houses were very um, um, small and you know, they were in very poor conditions. From one side, you have security checkpoints, so they could never escape. By the way, what's the number one dream of a slave? To be free. To escape, right? So he had put a system in place where there was, there was going to be no escape for these Israelites. So from one side, you had security checkpoints. From the other side, there was a river. And even if you tried to escape on a boat in the river, guess where the river stream would lead to? Faraon's palace. Right? So there was literally no escape from this setting itself. Okay? Now, what else would he do? Yudabbihu abnaam. Pharaoh would slaughter the sons of this weak nation, of Bani Israel. Why? Because he's, he used to see nightmares of one day a boy being born who would bring down his evil empire. And so he panicked and he freaked out. By the way, is it a logical dream? When you're oppressing people and you're so cruel to people, isn't one day a time going to come where your, your empire is going to fall? So he could see it coming, right? It's a very logical dream to have. And so, uh, he, in fear of this, this boy being born, he actually decided to slaughter children every other year. He put out a government policy where every other year, whenever a boy is born in a Ben Israel family, he ordered a command to soldiers go and slaughter them. By the way, the word yudabbihu means slaughter. It doesn't mean kill. So it's not like gun wounds or slaughter. What does slaughter mean? Anyone know? Literally, the, the knife, the soldiers would, would storm into a house. They would you know, grab the baby in front of the mother, in front of the father, in front of the brothers and sisters. And they would slit their throats in front of everyone. And if you had twins, that's two of them. If you have triplets, then... And this used to happen every other year. So I want the mothers especially, put yourself in that situation. How much grief you have to go through every other year. You know? And so, By the way, do Hollywood movies show these scenes nowadays? Of slitting throats? No, they don't show it. It's considered like too explicit and too violent, right? So it goes against the standards, the ratings. Usually you have ratings for movies, like R rating and PG-13. And so even slitting throats would not pass in terms, of in terms of Hollywood movie ratings. But Allah and His story here is actually prescribing to us that scene, that gross scene, okay? To intensify the feelings in us, that this was 
really messed up. I mean, people like Bashar al-Assad, you know, he killed tens of thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands. But that happened once in history, right? Quran was doing this every other year. It was like a government policy. So there's no comparison. And he used to keep his women alive. Why? Think about it. Because obviously he needed people to work for him, right? So he would make the, people, the women work for him. And of course, you know, every other year when a son is born, on the, on the free year where there's no killing, those people would be the construction workers for Ram. If he had killed all, every year if he killed all the sons, then he would be left with no people to work for him. No more slaves would, would basically remain. He was indeed from those who were very, very, very corrupt. This is beautiful now. So the previous ayah was talking about what? It was talking about how messed up Fir'aun is, how high and how weak Ben Israel were. Correct? Yes or no? Now Allah is saying, that's what Fir'aun was, but here's what I plan to do. This is the irada of Allah. We want to empower and favor those who are weak. Who are, the, who are those who are weak? Ben Israel. Allah is saying, I'm going to empower them. I'm going to favor them. Not only that. Number one. We will make them leaders. And number three, and we will make them the inheritors. Inheritors of what? Inheritors of Pharaoh's empire. And that should make us like question, what? Just an ayah ago, Allah was telling us how weak these people were and how, you know, how much power Pharaoh had and how he used to control like their living standards or security checkpoints, he used to be killing people. How in the world is this empire going to fall? Now this is raising some kind of curiosity in us, right? How is it going to happen? Now, you know what happens when um, weak people end up in governments? What happens usually? Or do they succeed or no? Not really, because they have no experience in running governments. Right or no? Allah is saying, وَنُمَكِّنَ لَهُمْ فِي الْأَرْضِ SubhanAllah. Yes, they are weak and they have no experience, but we will make their government stable. Tamkeen basically means to make something stable and established. Allah is saying, I'm going to make them leaders, I'm going to give them power, and I'm going to make them inherit Pharaoh's empire, and on top of that, I'm going to make them establish where they will not fall. And last but not least, Pharaoh and Haman, by the way, who was Haman? He was the army general, okay? You gotta keep this in mind. He was the army general. And then all the soldiers, Allah is saying, I will show Fir'aun and Haman and all the soldiers from the weak people what they were fearing. We will show them with their own eyes, they will see their empires falling one day, okay? And then the screen goes black. Several years ago, in one of the poor houses in Bani Israel's houses, okay? This is one of the slaves' houses. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, And we revealed to the mother of Musa, feed the baby. Feed what? Feed the baby. Now, this would make you wonder, what's, what's Allah talking about? Just, just now, 
few hours ago he's talking about you know empires falling and you know Ben Israel becoming the power. What does feeding the baby have to do with all of this? Is this like a milk commercial or something? You know? But there is there's a connection. There is a big, big connection, which we sometimes overlook, okay? So you would expect Allah would say and reveal to Musa's mother, train your child to be a soldier. Teach him how to use the sword. Teach him how to ride a, a, a horse, right? Allah says, feed him. So let's look at the scene. Let's try to imagine now. Fir'aun, this is one of the years where Fir'aun has issued the decree that every single son in Ben Israel is going to be slaughtered. Soldiers storm out of the house and they start searching one house after another for children. And by the way, what's one of the biggest signs of newborn babies? Crying, right? And we mothers know what that's like. And when a baby starts crying, very, very difficult to challenge to stop them. And so soldiers are going one house after another, storming in, listening for children who are crying. And guess which baby is also crying? Baby Musa is crying. Baby Musa is crying. And by the way, the mother is really panicking. Now mothers, try to live the moment, okay? You know that there's a search warrant for all babies. You know that few minutes, soldiers will come in your house and they're going to slaughter your baby. And he's crying like crazy. You're panicking. You don't know what to do. You're trying to, you know, Shut him up, you got trying to do whatever it takes, you know, to, to make this baby stop, but he's not stopping. You don't know what to do. Hide him in the cupboard, put a scotch tape on his face. What are you gonna do? What are you gonna do? Allah says, feed him. How about a snack? Would that thought have come in the mother's mind out of in that moment of tension and fear and frustration? No, it wouldn't have come. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed this to the mother. Feed him. And when she does feed the baby, what happens? The baby stops crying. And the soldiers peek into the house. There's no baby, they walk away. Is there a connection between the downfall of Pharaoh's empire and the baby being fed? Had the baby not been fed, the soldiers would have walked in and slit his throat in front of the parents. SubhanAllah. Okay? So, um, now is the danger over by the way? Is the danger over? No, I mean the soldiers could come back next week and the baby could be crying, you could be, you know, caught. So Allah says, if you are fearing still, if you're still scared, then throw him in the river. By the way, I'm going to be giving many stars this evening to amazing personalities in the, in the story besides Musa. Musa is like the ultimate hero, but there are other hidden heroes who we often, you know, um, overlook. And so the mother of Musa is a hero, I think, which is, a, which is a reminder for all mothers here. She was so connected to Allah that Allah actually re revealed something special to her. She was, was she a prophet? She was just a mother who we can assume was connected to Allah and therefore Allah revealed to her. Wahid is basically revelation, okay? And so for mothers, Connect to Allah and Allah will do amazing things for you. Okay. Extraordinary things. And so Allah says, if you're scared, then you know just go out of the house, take your baby and throw him in the river. Now, mothers, we know that you know when it comes to water and babies, we get sometimes extra like scared, right? Even when it comes to taking our kids to the beach. We always have to take our fake swimming pool with us to make sure that our babies are not like wet and they, you know, they're in safe hands. 
and we do extra care to make sure that you know our babies are free from any sort of threat and any sort of harm. Allah is telling this mother, if you're scared, then throw the baby. And by the way, the word used is throw, not place. Right? Usually in like storybooks, we see a mother like a cartoon where the mother places the baby in a nice basket. That's not the case here. Allah said, فَأَلْقِيهِ فَأَلْقِيهِ means to throw, literally. Okay? And we learned from Surah Taha that actually there was no basket. It was actually a box, right? Like a, like a crate. You know how like when you buy tomatoes and oranges from the supermarket, it was basically something like that. And so, when you throw a box with a baby in it in a river, are there potential dangers? What are some of the dangers that can happen? Number one, baby could flip and fall in the water, right? Number two, are there any like uh, scary animals in rivers and lakes and stuff? Maybe alligators, I don't know. I don't know if sharks live in uh, rivers, okay? So many dangers there, right? What about feeding? I mean, it's a newborn baby. How often do newborn babies need to be fed? Every other hour. This mother's actually literally throwing her baby in the water. And by the way, is there a stream? Yes. Where is the stream leading to? Brown's Palace, the, the Oval Office, the Pentagon of that time. The place where the orders to kill came from. SubhanAllah. So the, you know, the dangers are from all angles. It doesn't make logical sense to throw the baby. Allah saying, don't use logic for now. Trust me. Throw him in the river. And don't be scared. And don't be sad. Inna radduhu ilayki. We will definitely, radduhu means we will most definitely, there is a shadda in it. To emphasize, we will most definitely guaranteed return him to you. Not only that, and we will make him for those who are al-mursaleen. What does al-mursaleen mean? Messenger. He will make. He will, he, will, he will be promoted from a normal person to a messenger of Allah. And the other meaning of that is, we will get him delivered. It's like pizza's delivered, right? We will get it delivered. But what's so amazing about this ending is that Allah didn't say where He's going to be delivered. Because where was He going to be delivered? Around palace. And had He mentioned this to the mother, what's going to happen to the mother? She's going to freak out. She's going to freak out, right? Allah said, we're going to deliver him somewhere. Don't worry. He's going to be delivered somewhere as well. Okay? By the way, Kung Fu Panda too. Anyone seen that movie? Hands up for those who've seen Panda too? Yes. So, you know, a peacock, very evil peacock, sees a dream that a young panda will be born and he will bring down the evil empire of the peacock. And so she orders for all pandas to be killed. And one father panda takes his child panda and puts him in a river. And the, and the basket goes far, far away and that baby panda ends up being the hero of the story who comes back to bring down the empire of the evil peacock. Does this sound familiar? Yeah. Even Hollywood steals from the Quran. Right. And by the way, I was just out of curiosity checking the, you know, the gross sales of this movie, Kung Fu Panda 1 and 2. And subhanAllah, it made, since it was released, close to $1.6 billion in revenues. Inspired by the Quran. Okay. So, when Allah says, We recite unto you the best stories. Hollywood realizes this, we don't. Okay. 
Imagine what the mother would have said to the neighbors the next day. Neighbor walks in, so what happened to your boy? Did they come in? Did they kill him? It's like, no, 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 no. I fed him uh, milk and he was quiet and the soldiers left. But I was really, really scared. And so I went out and I threw him in the river. What are the neighbors going to think? It's crazy, right? Are you crazy? Are you nuts? But reality matters sometimes. Our tawakkul on Allah, our trust of Allah, has to be so, so much that people think we're crazy. Okay, that's the lesson here. That's how much our trust should be in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So let's move on to the next scene. Now the baby is where... Now the camera is taking us to the river, okay? It's zooming in on what? On the baby in the crate. Where is the, where is the crate going? Where is it going? Not if you close the door. Where is the baby going? It's going towards... Come on. The palace. Very good. Okay, so it ends up in the palace. And who sees the baby? The security guard. They see the baby and what do they do? They freak out. They freak out. How, how in the world did the baby that we're supposed to kill... By the way, they recognized him. How? Because Ben Israel were dark-skinned. This baby was also dark-skinned. So they recognized immediately this is from the Israelites. And so, they immediately attempt to take him. But Pharaoh's wife is on the balcony. And she sees this. And she tells him, wait, 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 wait. Can you bring the baby to me? And so Allah reveals, فَالْتَقَطَهُ The people of Pharaoh cast the baby, لِيَكُونَ لَهُمْ عَدُوًا وَحَزَنًا Because he was going to be an enemy for them and a sign of grief. Why, why would he be an enemy? Because obviously he's from the Israelites, right? What about sadness? Would Pharaoh be happy to find out that a baby accidentally came into the palace, who would be getting in trouble? Soldiers, right? It would be very, very big, big trouble. But, for some reason, this wife interfered. And she said, no, no, let me see this baby. إِنَّ فَرْعَوْنَ وَهَامَانَ وَجِبُدَهُمَا كَانُوا خَاطِئِينَ Pharaoh and Haman and his armies were, in fact, the wrong word. Okay, so now the scene goes into the palace of Pharaoh. The mother sees the baby and immediately falls in love with the baby. By the way, let me tell you something. In Surah Shura, Allah tells us something very unique about Musa Allah gave Musa a special gift where certain people, when they look at him, they're going to immediately fall in love with him. And one of those people was Musa's or Pharaoh's wife. So Pharaoh's wife sees the baby immediately she falls in love with him. She tells the soldiers, you are not going to take this baby away. I'm going to go inside Pharaoh's palace and I'm going to talk to him about this. By the way, is it normal for women to go into the palace of Pharaoh? No, it's not normal, right? I mean, wives are at home. So she's actually transgressing the norms by going into the palace. And is it a busy year? Yes, it's a busy year. There's executions happening and reports coming in in the Oval Office. So she walks into the palace of Pharaoh. And she said, وَقَالَتِ الْرَأَةُ فِرْعَوْنُ قُرَّةُ عَيْنٍ لِي قُرَّةُ عَيْنٍ لِي قُرَّةُ عَيْنٍ لِي basically means, oh he's so cute. Look at him. When I see him, he's so amazing, he's so cute, he removed my sadness. قُرَّةُ عَيْنٍ also means he removed my sadness and from قَرَارٍ which means when you see him, you cannot take your eyes off of the stage. Okay, who 
she talking about now? Musa and how she feels towards him. By the way, does the wife of Pharaoh have a reason to be sad? Yeah, she's the wife of Pharaoh. So this baby basically removes all that sadness. And then she says something profound. She says, Walek, and for you, Pharaoh, look at the baby. And Pharaoh looks at the baby. By the way, Pharaoh is the guy who issues the decree to kill all these babies, right? So he looks at this baby and he sees that it's a dark skinned baby. But Pharaoh also falls in love with the baby. So I want you to imagine the scene where Pharaoh looks at the baby and starts smiling. And he starts, oh, it's cute. And he's doing that, and he's like deeply in the baby. He can't take his eyes off of him. And Pharaoh's wife is so smart, she starts asking questions now. She tells Pharaoh, as he's enjoying this moment right with the baby, don't kill him. He's like, sure, sure. Take it, you know? And then she says, Asa Ayyanfa'ana, inshallah he will be of benefit to us. Alright, done, done, done. Or in fact, we might take him as a son. He's like, yeah, sure, done, done, done. Everyone there is watching this scene. And as three orders have passed. Number one, that's up to you. Pharaoh has ordered a decree to not kill the baby. Number two, he will be someone who will be helping Pharaoh inside the palace. And number three, he will be the new adopted son of Pharaoh. All of this happened in a moment of love between Pharaoh and the baby, right? SubhanAllah, okay? So the wife was really smart. We'll actually give the wife a star, okay? And notice a lot of the heroes in the story are women, okay? Previously it was the mother, now it's the wife. Wife is very smart. Why? She knew when to ask Pharaoh for the thing, right? Did she just walk into the, into the palace and say, don't kill him, I want him as a baby, he's so cute? What did she do? She first wants Pharaoh's heart. And then she asks. So I tip here for wives. When your husband comes home late from work, he's tired, he was stuck in traffic, he had a long, long day. Don't just, you know, ask him for things the moment he comes, walks into the house. You know, can you please go get some milk? I need to go shopping, I need a new bag, I need a new abaya. Don't ask for that. Use emotional intelligence. First smile for love. Tell him how good looking he's looking today. Tell him how much weight he's lost. And then tell him, by the way, I need a new abaya. Like, sure, let's go. Okay? So that's lessons from the wife of Ram. Now the scene takes us back to Musa's mother's house, okay? You see how scenes are changing? This happens in the Quran, just like movies, okay? Scenes are changing. The, the scene is where now? In the house of Musa's mother. Is she sad or no? The heart of Musa's mother became empty. You know how they say in Urdu, like, a piece of the heart? Is if someone has taken a piece of her heart? Ah, she's really, really sad. She just threw her baby. She didn't know he's alive or dead. And in Kaidat, she was about to reveal this is her son. She was about to tell the people who were out there looking at the baby, This is my baby, rescue him. He's my baby. He's from Israel. Had she done that, what would have happened to the baby? The soldiers would have taken him and killed him, right? So who stopped her from saying that? Who 
gave her divine healing in her heart. Who tied up her heart? This is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is what we call divine healing from Allah. Okay? Allah gave her the strength to not speak up. So that she may be of those who believe. Believe in what, by the way? Believe that Allah's promise is true. What was the promise? Who remembers? We were going to return it to you. She had this true belief and true promise. And so basically, you know, Musa's mother, you can imagine she's making a lot of du'as, right? Allah's teaching us something here. That when we make du'as, that's not enough. We also need to work. We also need to take action. So what's the action she's going to take? She's going to tell Musa's sister, go and follow the baby. And the mother told the sister, go and follow him. And remember I told you the meaning of Qusra? He's to follow, okay? It's used in this context now. Follow the baby. And this is amazing here. The order was one word. From a mother to who? To her daughter, right? Follow him. We learned from this. This is not daughters in the house. This daughter was extremely obedient to her mother. Just one word and she went there. So she ended up going out and she was tracking the baby and looking at him without anyone realizing. Okay? She was very, very smart. So I'm going to give her a star in a minute. Okay? Extremely smart. Why? She got orders once from the mother. Nowadays, mothers give their children uh, you know, things to obey them. And what happens? Do they listen? No, it's time for food. No, it's time for food. No, it's time for food. No! Right? You keep repeating, repeating, repeating. And do children listen? Oh, they're busy on their iPad and iPhone and watching cartoons. They don't listen. This daughter, one word and she went out. And by the way, another message here is it's okay to send your daughter out to do certain tasks. And was this a small task or a big task? So imagine the upbringing that his mother gave the daughter, right? Go out. And she had full trust in this daughter. She, she knows how to carry herself. She knows how to, you know, do things her way. She didn't tell her, go out and make sure you follow the baby and make sure you wear your sweater and wear nice shoes so that, you know, you don't trip. She didn't give her any details. The, the daughter herself was basically left free and she was independently making decisions for herself. She was intelligent, okay? So we give the daughter a star? Yeah? She deserves a star. Okay, so daughter, amazing daughter. So now the scene is inside the Ram's palace. Musa, baby Musa is crying like anything. He needs his milk. Remember? He's a newborn baby. He needs his milk. And guess what? Everyone in the room is trying to feed him. He doesn't like it. So the, the, all the women in the room, they tried feeding this baby and none of the babies None of the mothers were able to feed this child. And he's crying like anything, right? What's the solution? Put yourself in the situation. What would you do? The wife of Pharaoh tells the mothers, go out. Go out anywhere. I don't care. Just get any, any person to feed this child. And so they walk out of the palace. Who do they see? Musa's sister is smart. She reached the end of the river. She didn't, she didn't say, oh, he's going to the palace. Khalas. My job is done. I'm going to go back home. What did she do? She waited outside. So smart. She waits outside, and as the women come out, she realizes that they have a need, and she says, 
By the way, I know of this lady who, like, she's a really good, uh, her milk is really good. It's really tasty. You want me to show you where she lives? And so they're like, yeah, sure. And so she's smart. She doesn't say, I'll take you to my mother's house. She doesn't say, I'll take you to this baby's mother's house. She says, I'll take you to a place. Right? Some random house. They will take care of him. And they'll be really good with him. They'll take care of him. They'll give him good advice. So the baby ends up and who's... Uh, by the way, we give another star to this uh, girl, the star of a sister, right? So she's, at one point she proves that she's an amazing daughter and also she's an amazing what? Sister. Sister. She does all of this for her, for her brother. You know, how cute. And so the scene changes to back in Musa's place. The, the reunion happens. Allah's promise. Fulfilled, right? And we return him back to his mother. So that her, her eyes may be cool, filled with coolness again. She, she would never be sad again. This was Allah's plan. You know, we plan our plans, but Allah has His own plans. And she will never be sad again. And so she, she may know that Allah's promise is true. But no, most people don't know this. Now let's try to understand what happened with this time. With this incident, there was a reunion between the mother and the child. And by the way, now what's going to happen is Musa's mother or Pharaoh's wife is going to be moved into which, which place? The palace. To the palace. So she's going to get permanent residency in the palace. And by the way, her son will be raised as a prince. She'll get lifetime protection being in the palace of Pharaoh. And her lifestyle will be completely upgraded from living in the slums of Ben Israel to the palace of the king. You see Allah's promise? She just asked for Musa to come back to her and Allah says, I'll get Musa back to you and I'll give you all these extra things. This is the blessings of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Okay? Several years later, okay? We move on to what? Several years later. Now Musa's grown grown up. Musa's now a teenager, he's in his youth. He has reached the age of maturity. Wastawa. And he is like, you know, very good built. He's like, you know, tough guy now. He has the biceps, uh, strong body, he's known. Musa Islam is known to be of good build. Okay? So he, he grew up to the age of maturity, built up, very strong. Also, some people they say that Istawa means that he was financially set also. Because where was he living, by the way? He was a prince, right? Like in the king's house. But strangely, you know, when you have these ingredients in, in, a, in a young man, what's that a recipe of usually? Recipe for a lot of naughty things happening, right? I mean, he's young, he's rich, drives a nice car, probably, you know, wears nice clothes good looking, goes to the gym. These are all ingredients for trouble. Allah is saying, this guy, also. we gave him wisdom. So he wasn't crazy. He wasn't you know, spending his youth going clubbing and you know, smoking shisha and wasting time. And, you know, 
gambling and all that kind of stuff. He could have done, he could have done that, right? He has a lot of money. But and on top of that, we gave him knowledge. Very interesting thing here. Most of us are concerned about gaining knowledge, right? Allah is saying, wisdom is more important than knowledge. Okay, and what's lacking in the Ummah today? Knowledge. People claim to have, uh, or what's lacking is wisdom. And we'll see an example of wisdom later on. And not only that, وَكَذَلِكَ نَجْزِ الْمُحْسِنِينَ You guys know what muhsinin are, right? What's, what's, who's a muhsin? What is Ihsan? What is Ihsan? It's to worship Allah as if you see Him. And if you don't see Him, then He sees you. This is like the highest form of Islam, right? So they have Islam, Iman, Ihsan is like the peak. So not only was Musa السلام, a young man now, he was extremely built, had money, had wisdom, had knowledge, and he was spiritually connected to Allah. He was a Muslim. Wow. All these amazing qualities. How many women here are not married? Okay. Does this, all these ingredients, don't they sound like a, a good match for you? Right? I mean, he has all the qualities. I would love to give my daughter to someone like this. So he's like the ideal bachelor, by the way. The ideal bachelor. And that's why very soon we will come across the story of Musa getting married, by the way. And I can see one, one guy just woke up on the back. Right? This is actually the only story in the Quran where Allah tells us how to get married. So for all the young boys in the house who want to get married, you better stay away till the end, inshallah. I left that story till the end to make you all, inshallah, stay here and not run away. <laughs> so, uh, Musa alayhi salam, because he has wisdom and knowledge, he has gotten that realization that, wait a second, I'm dark-skinned. I belong to Ben Yisrael. And I'm living in the, in the king's house who's killing children every other year. He realizes that he, that he belongs to those people and he needs to help them now. He's a good guy, okay? And then this realization turns into activism. He starts helping these people secretly, right? When people would be sleeping, you know, during their Hayrullah afternoon naps, he would go to Ben, ben Israel and help them with some food, some clothes here and there. People who need anything, he would help them. And so Musa Islam secretly started becoming active in voluntary work and, you know, helping people. And one day he, as he's walking by helping people, he sees two guys fighting. One is from the Israelites and the other is from the Egyptians. Hmm, what is Musa going to do now? Who is he going to protect? Who is he going to stand up for? We'll find out in a bit. I'd like to take a short break for you all, inshallah, to, to stand up and just disconnect. It's like a commercial break, you know? Okay, stand up and uh, you know, just take some uh, breathing air. Look at the person. Can you all please stand up? Don't run away. Just stand up where you are. Okay. Look at the person on your right and say salam alaikum and smile to them. Now look at the person on your left and say salam alaikum and smile to them. Now I want you. To give a nice massage, so shoulder massage to the person on your right. I do. I nice one, nice one. Come on. With both hands, both hands. Both hands. Very good. 
They don't see the big picture. They leave to fight somewhere, kill people innocently in the name of Islam, rushing to judgment without proper knowledge, without proper understanding of the overall situation. Guys know what I'm talking about, right? Yes? By the way, does that mean we can blame Satan every time we mess up? What do you think? Of course not. Nice try, but you can't go on the day of judgment and say, Allah, shaitan, you know? I'm sorry, but shaitan tricked me. This actually happened in uh, our workplace, by the way. Uh, one of the employees got caught and stealing, so they took him to the police station. True story. And uh, when the, you know, the, the police people asked him, so why did you do this? He said, shaitan. So subhanAllah, people use that excuse. So immediately, the next ayah, Immediately Musa says, Oh Allah, I wrong myself. فَغْفِرْ لِي Ya Allah, please forgive me. SubhanAllah. Musa realized that he made a mistake and he admitted his mistake. And he immediately asked for forgiveness. By the way, what was the mistake? Small one or big one? Killing somebody, okay? But yet, Musa knew that the right thing to do is to ask for forgiveness. Remember we said that Musa had wisdom? This is one of the signs of wisdom. Remember this, brothers and sisters. Wisdom is not being free from mistakes. Well, we're all going to make mistakes. Wisdom is knowing how to react when you make mistakes. Wisdom is realizing that when you make mistakes, it's time to ask for forgiveness and admit your mistake. That's true wisdom. And Musa had this wisdom. So immediately, the moment he killed this man, he repented to Allah. He went back to Allah. Oh Allah, I'm sorry. I messed up. I killed someone. And look at the beauty of Allah's words now. Oh Allah, forgive me. Allah says, And Allah forgave him. Immediately Allah forgave him. You know, you see this letter Fa here? There's a letter Fa here, right? That actually emphasizes how quickly that happened. Immediately after that. Again, I remind you, was the sin small or big? It was a murder, okay? But Allah says, immediately I forgive him. And how can that not be? Allah is most definitely the one who is most forgiving and most lovingly merciful. We're learning a profound lesson here from Musa That when you mess up and you make a mistake, then ask Allah for forgiveness and move on. A lot of, well, a lot of us, you know, when we make mistakes, we end up like stuck in this cycle of, oh, I messed up so much, I'm so bad, I'm going to hell, I'm a kafir, I'm a kafir, I'm this, I'm that, and you're just stuck in that. You can't get over that, right? Allah is saying, just ask for forgiveness and be optimistic. I will guarantee forgive you. And that's there's not like it's not like there's gonna be a queue where okay, wait in line, we'll see if we can forgive you or not. You ask Allah for forgiveness, Allah subhanahu wa will immediately forgive you. And so the lesson we're learning here is when you make mistakes, and we all will make mistakes. Any prophets here by the way? Raise your hands. Any angels? No. None of us are angels, none of us are prophets, we all end up making mistakes. But those of us who are wise will know to, to, to immediately repent 
And then after you repent and make tawbah, to move on. Don't get stuck. Getting stuck is from shaitan. Okay? Move on. Khlas. Allah forgave you, move on. Don't live in the past, by the way. Another lesson here. Do not live in the past. When you live in the past, this is from shaitan. Because the past is filled with regret and sadness. Allah wants you to live in the present. And also, side note, don't live in the future. Because future is usually fear, right? We have fear of the future. So shaitan takes us usually, he swings us between past and future. Past and future. And then we're always between sadness and fear. Sadness and fear. Shaitan, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants us to live in the present, live the moment, live in the present. Okay? I think that baby agrees with me. <laughs> now Musa Islam realizes that Allah favored him. What was the favor that Allah just gave him? Who can tell me? It's a trick question. What was the favor? <coughs> the favor of asking forgiveness. Forgiveness. By the way, every time Allah allows you to ask for forgiveness, that is a favor from Allah. Because so many people mess up and they don't, they don't, they don't do tawbah, they don't ask for forgiveness. So if you have been given the tawfiq to ask for forgiveness, then know that this is a favor from Allah on you. So every time you say astaghfirullah, say alhamdulillah after it. Allah allowed you to say astaghfirullah. You guys understand what I'm saying? Yes? Okay, let's, let's move on. So Musa wakes up next day. Is he chilled and cool or is he scared? Why? Because there's a search warrant for someone who just killed an Egyptian cop. Okay? The killer is unknown. And he's wanted by the police. Police are everywhere. They're searching. So Musa is basically walking around and he uh, basically wants to uh, hide, hide from the... the the scene, the crime scene, right? And then all of a sudden he sees So as Musa is walking past this crime scene, he sees that same, the same Israelite who wanted to fight the day before, that same guy getting into another fight. Just the next day. Now what does Musa realize? That this guy is troublemaker, right? The Israelite that Musa actually held is a troublemaker. Okay? He's someone who's like a con artist and he just wants trouble. So Allah calls him, or Musa tells that Israelite, his, the guy who's from his own people, you are someone who wants to deviate people. You're a clear deviant. So, so Musa basically rolls up his sleeve now. Okay? He's in a fight, right? He rolls up his sleeve and he's going with the intention of separating these two. Okay? Yabdusha means to use your strength to separate two people from fighting. Okay? So Musa doesn't want to punch anybody this time. You know that he's a bit too strong for these guys. Okay? So he wants to go and he wants to separate them. But the guy who, the Israelites, who asked for help, thought that Musa is actually coming to punch him this time. Because he realized that he's like, you know, a troublemaker. So that, that Israelite does something very, very stupid. And it's very, very, 
know, this is bad for Musa. What does he do? Qala ya Musa, in a loud voice, he said, Ya Musa, hey Musa, you want to kill me like you killed the guy yesterday? And who's listening to this? The Egyptian. So I want you to imagine, Egyptian takes his phone out, WhatsApp, Musa's the killer, Musa's the killer, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, WhatsApp. And the news reaches the police. Who is the killer? Musa. Okay. Who exposed them? <coughs> the guy who was from his own people, Israel, exposed him. And so now the scene takes us to the, the office, the Oval Office, where all the police commissioners are, are basically giving orders. And they realize, oh, Musa is the killer. This is, by the way, if Ra'am finds out this, what's he going to do? <coughs> is he going to execute Musa? No. Ra'am loves Musa. That love is in his heart. He's going to forgive him. Okay? Wasta, you know? Yes, Wasta. So, but do the police people and do the Egyptians like Musa? So the police people are scamming now. They're, they're coming up with this conspiracy. This is our chance to get rid of Musa. Let's finish him once and for all. And the police chief gives an order, shoot to kill, basically. But subhanAllah, one of the police commissioners in that room is a secret believer. He's known as Mu'minu al Fir'aun. He's a secret believer. He hasn't exposed his belief yet. Yeah? So he's like a secret believer. And he hears this. Okay? And by the way, this guy is so special. We don't even know his name. Allah doesn't mention his name in the Quran. But he's so special that Allah dedicated a full entire surah for this anonymous man. Surah Ghafir. It's also known as Surah Mu'min. Imagine. And so this, this believing police guy knows what's happening. He goes up to Musa all the way. And a man came from far, far, far away. This mu'min, this believer, wanted to do his believing brother a favor. So he walks all the way far away from far away from the village. Yes, he was coming fast. Why? Because the order to shoot to kill is already gone, right? What does he say to Musa? That we, you know, the, the police guys and all the, the high elite status people in, in Egypt are making a conspiracy. They're making a conspiracy to kill you. So my advice to you, my beloved brother Musa, is get out of here. Fakhraj. Inni lakum Leave. Leave the city now. Trust me, I'm giving you sincere advice. They're going to kill you. Leave. So the scene now moves to the desert. By the way, it's the desert and Musa. Uh, by the way, where was Musa living? Yeah, so it's not like he went back and he packed up his bags and got his phone and his shoes and you know, some water. He then no goodbye kiss to his mother, no goodbye kiss to his sister. He has to leave immediately. Leave everything behind and immediately leave. So from prince to what? A refugee or a, sorry, a fugitive, right? Someone who runs away. From prince to fugitive overnight. Is that easy or difficult? Is that easy or difficult? Difficult. 
فخرج منها خائفا يترقب موسى left he was scared and he يترقب means he was looking around is anyone falling or not that's يترقب قال ربي نجني من القوم الظالمين see how connected Musa is to Allah he keeps making du'as Allah will only one that can save me from these evil people and now by the way when you're in the desert does Musa have GPS system in his pocket does he have like a Google Maps or something where is he supposed to go? He doesn't know. And you know, like, uh, in terms of navigation, right? Like, let's imagine you're standing in the middle of the desert, there's nothing in front of you, right? Does every degree you turn make a difference? Yes, because if you turn this way and you go, you could probably end up in Jordan. A bit here, end up in Palestine. A bit here, end up in Saudi, right? So, he doesn't know where to go. The advice he got was leave. Leave where? He doesn't even know. So, he basically... Uh, the scene is like he's turning around. And the moment he pointed towards Medyan, Allah basically gave him a head stop here and start walking. That's your GPS guide. He starts walking and says, Mixed dua, oh Allah, please guide me to this straight path. So this is divine GPS system from. Allah, okay, for Musa So he heads towards a place called Median, okay. And by the way, it's a long journey, and you know Musa's tired. He's uh, thirsty, probably no food, nothing, right? So he stops by a place where there's like people who are uh, feeding their, their sheep some water, okay. And he goes gets a drink. He's sitting, he's tired, exhausted after a long journey. He sees far, far away two girls who seem to be in some sort of trouble, right? And he sees them with sheep that want to go drink water, but they're pulling them, okay? So the scene is two girls, far, far away, and there's a lot of people with sheep, a lot of men that are feeding their sheep. And these two girls are far away. Their sheep want to also get some water, but they're pulling them. There's like a tug of war going on, okay? So Musa realizes there's some sort of issue going on here. وَلَمَّا وَرَدَ مَاءَ مَدْيَنْ When he reached the map of Madian, وَجَدَ عَلَيْهِ أُمَّةً مِنَ النَّاسِ He saw a group of people. يَسْقُونَ They were feeding their sheep. وَوَجَدَ مِنْ دُونِهِمَا رَأَتَيْنِ وَوَجَدَ مِنْ دُونِهِمُ رَأَتَيْنِ And he found two girls, two women. تَذُودَ تَذُودَ means they're holding back. Okay? They can't go. They're holding back. Now when you see two girls, Anonymous girls, non-Muslim girls, in some sort of weird situation. <coughs> what are you supposed to do? We're learning from Musa. The relationships between non-Muslim, a non-Muslim guy with two non-Muslim girls. How do you interact? This is like a lesson for all of us now. Okay. So um, he says, "Ma <coughs> Two words. قَالَ مَا خَطْبُكُمَا He says to them, what's, what's the matter with you two? What's the matter with you two? Okay? Two words. مَا خَطْبُكُمَا Straight to the point. No playing around with words. No soft talk. He didn't go up and say, Hey girls, how you doing? <laughs> my name is Musa. Check out my biceps and my triceps. By the way, I'm the son of, you know, the king of Egypt. He didn't say any of that. He 
just went and said, What was the intention of Musa? To help. Okay. By the way, he just came back from a journey, so he's you'd expect him to be tired, but subhanAllah, his himma, his like motivation to do good deeds is ever high now. Why? Who can tell me? He just messed up, right? He just killed someone. So, you know, we're learning here also that when you mess up, then that regret should turn into motivation to do good deeds. And so Musa is looking out to do good deeds. Okay, so he goes up to the women and says, And now we learn how women are supposed to react. You know? Two strange women. And obviously they're staying away from these, these guys. Why? They don't want to mix with, with a bunch of guys. You know? They're, they're probably like perverts. So they want to stay away until those guys finish and then they will get the water, water themselves. So they respond. You know? They don't say, Astaghfirullah, leave, leave, we don't want to talk to you. They don't giggle. <laughs> they respond and say, We don't, we don't feed the ship until, uh, we don't feed the sheep until these guys leave. And by the way, our father is a big sheikh. So don't mess with us. We'll try to like throw a few, you know, pick up lines. Our father is a big sheikh. And sheikh here basically means either he was an old man, which basically is so amazing because they're telling indirectly Musa that we're not here uh, just playing around or messing around. Our father knows we're here. Okay, and because he's old, he has sent us here. And Sheikh also means that their father is a respected man. So don't mess with us. Okay? So between the lines, we're learning that Allah is teaching us through the Quran how women are supposed to hold themselves up when they talk to strange, strange men. Okay? You're not supposed to ignore. If someone's there to talk to you, you talk back, but you straight to the point. Okay? Business talk. How much is this? Five dinars? No, can I pay four dinars? If, if not, pay and leave. You know, straight talk. That's the way women are supposed to talk. When you soft talk, no, please. Can I have it for two dinars, please? Come on. This soft talk is not allowed yet for, for women when it comes to shopping. Okay? So we're learning from here straight talk to the point, but you can't talk. And brothers, please, 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 when you see a sister that has a tire puncture, don't say, Astaghfirullah, Astaghfirullah, lower my gaze, fitna, fitna. You know? Help her out, okay? It's okay to help out a strange woman if she needs help. There's nothing wrong with that. But don't go and say, hey, by the way, you know, you seem like you need help. And uh, here's my number. <laughs> don't do that either, okay? Help, and then leave. Okay, and that's what we learned later on, subhanAllah. It's beautiful. Uh, by the way, another tip here. Allah is telling us that it's okay for women to be working in the workplace. And nothing wrong with that. If there's a darura, if there's a need, right? What was the need? The father was old. And so it's okay for women to be working if there's a need. There's nothing wrong with that. Okay? The other lesson here is good upbringing. The father trusts these two girls. Okay? Amazing lesson for fathers. He had, you know, done amazing terbiya for these women that, okay, fine, you guys can go out and work, get water, but know your limits. 
And I'm sure like the father had talked to the guys, uh, to these girls that, you know what, when you see a group of guys, don't go and mix with them because guys, they only think about one thing. Okay? You need to know this. So any guy who comes up to you and does stop talking, stay away. So there's a very, you understand from this that the, like the father-daughter relation is very close. And the father now trusts the girls so much that he has actually let them go and do this task alone. Okay? Lesson for fathers. And we also learn from here what does modesty mean. Modesty does, doesn't mean to be extra shy and giggly and you know, not talking to people and hiding in a bubble, in a box. That's not modesty. Modesty is living in the real world, interacting with people but knowing your limits and you know, being able to control yourself. Babies, uh, you know, probably angry at us uh, talking about modesty. So, uh, what is modesty again? Is it wearing hijab and niqab and hiding in a box? No, modesty is the way you carry yourself. Being able to face reality, facing the world and knowing your limits and being confident. And being able to speak up straight to the point and knowing your limits, okay? Amazing lessons from this small story. So let, let's give a start to the daughters. MashaAllah, they deserve a Again, females, huh? Amazing daughters, they know how to carry themselves, they're working, they, know, they trust the father, trust them, they trust the father, and they are not extra shy, right? They, they can talk to a stranger, no problem. Sure, what's the matter, okay? Amazing. And now, check this out. Musa helps them and immediately tawalla, immediately goes and sits under a shade. Usually, you know, when we do favors to sisters, like sisters, so uh, Abdullah, you know, uh, I hope everything's okay now. You know, is your tire okay? Uh, do you need any more help? Please, you know, I'm your brother, I can help you anytime you want anything. You know, here's my number, you can call me anytime, you need anything. Here's my business card. And by the way, where do you live? Do you have any sisters? By the way, you look familiar. I think I've seen you somewhere before. I think we went to the same school. What's your name, sister? You know, and we, we extend the talks after we do favors, which messes up our intentions, right? Musa's intention was to help. The moment he helped, he left. And by the way, what do we learn from this? Humility, right? Did uh, Musa Islam, was he able to like brag about his, his uh, CV, right? Was it an impressive CV? I mean, he was his prince, right? He could have said, hey, by the way, I'm a prince, you know? You heard of Pharaoh the king? Yeah, I'm a son. He could have easily bragged, he didn't say anything. That's right. He just helped and he left. So humble, so like humility. And immediately he makes dua. Musa Islam sits under a shade and makes dua. And by the way, the, the girls are seeing this happen, by the way. Okay, so they, they see this guy sitting under the shade. And they're wondering, this guy's weird. Just came and helped us and left. He didn't say a word. No, he didn't yeah, do any soft talk. Just left the, the favor and left. And then Musa makes this beautiful dua. Rabbi, inni lima anzalta ilayya min khayrin faqir. And this has two meanings, basically. One, that Ya Allah, I'm, I have nothing with me, Ya Allah. Whatever you give me, I'm willing to accept it. I have literally nothing. 
basically no nakhre, you know? I won't give I won't do any nakhre. Whatever you give me, Allah, I'll accept it. Okay? No for I won't have I don't have high expectations. I have nothing. So just give me anything. I'm, I'm poor. The other meaning here is, Ya Allah, I messed up and I'm hungry to do good deeds. Please give me more opportunities to do good deeds. I want to do more good deeds. I want to make up for my mistake. Okay? And so the scene now takes us to the house of the two girls. The two girls go back to the house earlier than usual. The two girls go back to the house earlier than usual. And the father's like, what brings you home so early? And they're like, yeah, this, this really uh, nice guy, he came up to us and you know, he helped feed our sheep and just left. And he seemed like he was religious because he was making this dua also under the shade. He was not normal, Dad. He, was, he seemed like someone really nice. Okay, so that's basically what's happening. Uh, and so now the father-daughter relationship. Right? He, the father has taught these daughters modesty. What does modesty really mean? And the father trusts these daughters, right? What else? What are other things we discuss? Trust, modesty, confidence, and no fear. Okay? This is, this is the profile of the ideal daughter. For the fathers in the, in the room, you want, you want to bring up your, your daughters like this. They should have modesty. You should trust them. By the way, does the father trust them or no? Yes, let them go out. And he has and he built confidence in them and they should have no fear. Okay, so now basically, um, so the daughters praise this man, right? What could the father have done? He would have said, Astaghfirullah. He spoke to a strange man, how dare you? Right, did he do that? No, no, it's fine. He actually sent one of the daughters back to call Musa to the house to pay him for his favor. SubhanAllah. And by the way, he sent how many girls this time? One. Before it was two. Now he sent one. He imagine he trusts his daughter so much that this time he sent one daughter alone out of the house. SubhanAllah. I mean, it's, it really amazes me how much trust this father has in his daughter and how much confidence she has to carry herself alone going all the way to this place and asking a strange man to come home. Is that easy or difficult, sister? Very difficult, right? But she's pretty confident. So, By the way, Musa is still under the shade. Okay? One of them comes, This time she's walking with some sort of shyness. When the two girls were mentioned, there was no shyness. Why? Because they have each other to support each other. But when she was alone, there was shyness in the wall. Okay? Natural instinct of human of women. And she says to Musa, قالت, إن ربي, إن My father invites you to pay you back for the favor you did to us. She's very specific in what she says, by the way. She didn't say my father invites you. Because that could lead to some you know assumptions. Maybe you know your father wants to get me married to you, or other assumptions, right? So she says clearly, by the way, my father invites you, not me. I'm not inviting you, my father invites you, to come home, and he's going to, by the way, pay you. pay you back. And here we learn something really uh, amazing about, uh, you know, tekalluf, basically. 
where uh, you know when some when you do a favor to somebody and then they, they want to pay you for that and you're like no 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 koi baat nahi you know it's okay i did this for sabeel allah it's okay i don't need your help or you know when you're invited for some coffee or tea and someone offers you tea like no 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 it's okay i don't need tea it's okay this is the kind of that you know uh, it's okay i don't need your help wallahi i don't need your help it's okay could musa have done that to this girl yeah being like extra righteous right it's okay sister go guy i mean i did this for allah's sake and you know i only seek reward from allah i don't need your father's uh, help no 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 musa realized that this action was the answering of musa's dua just a few moments ago musa made dua right ya allah i'm poor give me something i need your help he musa realized he has wisdom remember he realized that the daughter coming back is answering of Musa's dua and so he goes he goes okay doesn't do anything kind for anything wa qassa alayhi qasas when he goes he has a meeting with who the father he doesn't sit with the daughters he sits with the father okay wa qassa alayhi qasas and now Musa tells the father all his stories all the adventures that he went through that he was born in Bani Israel and there was you know Pharaoh was evil and he issued a decree to kill all babies and I escaped I was thrown in the river by my mother but somehow I ended up in the palace of Pharaoh then I was raised as a prince and then one day I said he killed somebody so I basically like a, a fugitive now and uh, by the way I left my home so I'm homeless and I'm really really poor I have nothing he told him the whole story and the father then responds and says it's okay don't be afraid you have been saved from those people who were those people who did a lot of transgression now uh, between the lines who is listening to this conversation the daughters are listening to they're probably in the kitchen somewhere listening to the conversation okay imagine and Musa told the father and this father by the way I was born as an, uh, as an enemy of Pharaoh and I had uh, basically killed somebody I was a fugitive I was homeless all these messed up things right the daughters in the kitchen when the father comes in the kitchen one of the daughters goes up to the dad and says dad 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 I love you so much why don't you hire me Basically, this is what the words are. Ya abati in the Arabic language basically means, oh, oh, oh my dad, I love you so much. Oh dad, I love you so much. And then she says, istajir, hire him. Inna khayra man al-qawiyyun ameen. The best person to hire is the one who is strong and the one who is ameen, trustworthy. Okay, someone we can trust. What is the daughter doing? She's praising someone in front of her father. And it seemed like the dad got the hint that this girl seems to have some sort of like uh, you know? Like, she likes this guy. You know? And he didn't say to her, Cha, he's cute, huh? You like this guy, huh? You think he's smart? And you think he's strong? You think he's. Honest? 
He didn't do that. He didn't like uh, make fun of her or anything. The dad knew that this, this uh, daughter had something going on. And by the way, lesson for fathers. If your daughters fall in love, that's not haram. Okay? When your daughters love somebody and they feel attracted to a boy, it's not haram. It's how you manage that relationship, you know, through the halal means. Okay, so it's, the, it's a natural feeling for women to be attracted to men. It's okay for your daughters to like a guy. It's not haram. Okay? Don't panic when that happens. If she doesn't like any guys, then you should panic. You should take her to the hospital and get her checked. Okay, then something is wrong. So these are natural feelings. Subhanallah, we're learning this from the Quran. You guys see this? How amazing it is? This, this is a real situation guys, that we face. And so, the dad is really cool. He goes back to Musa and says, By the way, I want to give one of my daughters to you in marriage. Imagine that. Just from one interview, and just by noticing that the daughter likes this guy, and he seems like a good guy. Uh, and your mahar is going to be that you work for me for 8 years, and if you want, I can extend that to 10 years. So the mahar was what? A job, basically. Okay? So a wife and a job. Brothers, is that a good deal? <laughs> Ten years, and uh, and by the way, I won't make it hard on you. You know how, like, when you how many of you have bosses that you don't like? Be honest, bosses that you don't like. Okay, Musa, Musa, uh, or the daughter's father is telling Musa, I'm going to hire you, and by the way, I'm going to be a really nice boss. Ma uridu an I won't be a nasty boss for you. Ma uridu an min I will be a very nice boss. And a very nice father-in-law. All of you who hate your in-laws. Okay? So, this time I give a star to the dad. He deserved one, right? I mean, he uh, did amazing upbringing to these daughters. And at the same time, he is so close to his daughters, right? He, he actually, they open up to him. They share their feelings with his father. Isn't that amazing? You know, nowadays daughters like they don't even spend time with the father. Father's busy at work, with friends. You know, the shisha, watching football matches, and then uh, you know the, the daughter has no one to speak to, so she speaks to her classmates on WhatsApp, and Facebook, and other places. And that's where the trouble starts. So for parents, we're learning here how to you know have close relationship with the children and open communication. And being understanding and being someone who realizes that, okay, you have these feelings, fine, let's get you married, it's okay. And by the way, did, did the father complicate things? Simple marriages. Parents, message for all the parents, please. Sim simplify the wedding of your children. Allah, one of the saddest things that we have in our communities is the fact that, you know, so many youth want to get married, right brothers? So many youth want to get married, but it's always, what do they usually uh, blame as the number one uh, complaint? Financial. It's expensive. It's expensive to get married nowadays. Parents are so demanding, girls are so demanding. We learned from this how simple it was. Just one interview, a few comments from the girl that she likes him, done deal. Offer and acceptance. 
Okay? So Musa got a wife. Remember the dua, by the way? Just now Musa, a few uh, days ago, Musa killed somebody. He asked for repentance. And uh, he was optimistic. Sat under the shade of a tree. Helped a few girls sat under the shade of a tree. Immediately he got a wife, a job, a 10-year visa, and a house to live in. He was a Garjamai, by the way. He lived with the wife, right? Which also is a lesson for us. Uh, guys, it's okay. You know? It's okay to live with the wife. And you have financial issues. Oh, yeah, live with the wife. Musa did it. Prophet did it, right? Remember? So, uh, it's okay. It's okay to get married and live with the wife's family. Complete half of your team. Okay, let's move on. So, um, and then there is a clear agreement, by the way. Very important. This is one, one of the biggest reasons why marriages fail or we have problems with fam families when you don't agree on the terms in advance. Right? So what were the terms? Clearly agreed. You worked for me for ten, five, seven years uh, or eight years and then extended to ten. This was the maha that was agreed upon. So many families end up doing the rishta, right? Like they end up doing the, the, the matchmaking and then they don't discuss the details. And then later on, on the wedding day, they find out, wow, I'm supposed to take, uh, pay like 100,000 dinars maha. We never discussed this. And the whole marriage falls apart. This happens, doesn't it? Yes? So, This is a deal between me and you. Listen, you choose. You want to work for me for seven years, ten years, whatever, it doesn't matter to me. And this is, these are the terms of a, of a marriage contract, by the way. Allah is our witness. Okay, so the marriage is done. Clear agreement. What do we learn from this story? For brothers, if you want to propose, you have to be man enough to sit with a girl's father. If you don't have the, uh, the guts to do that, then please stop dreaming about marriage. Just the other day, a brother comes up to me and says, you know what, I like this sister, mashallah, she's so, she's so nice and righteous and I want to get married to her and you know, I've already spoken to her and uh, we've agreed that I'm going to wait for like uh, two years and inshallah we'll get married and everything's going to be fine. And then I asked him, did you speak to her father? No, 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 no. I can't speak to the father. I can't. So I was like, what do you mean you can't speak to the father? He said, how can I speak to the father? I'm still studying, I have nothing. I said, listen, if you're not mad enough to go speak to the father and explain your, your intentions, then sorry to say, don't get married. You're, you're not ready yet. Okay, so lessons for brothers and lessons for fathers. Sit with the guy, interview the guy. And lesson for brothers. Be man enough to sit with the, with the father. Number two, be honest in the interview. By the way, was Musa honest in the interview? Yes. Could he have said, uh, yeah, by the way, you know, um, I'm the son of a king, and we live in a nice, really nice palace, and you know, I have this, like, a Bentley in my house, and a Ferrari, and uh, my mother lives with us, she's really nice, and you know, I pray five times a day. Could he have said that? <laughs> I mean, he's, he's basically in a stranger's house, telling him a story, and he's not, this house is not even in the city. There was no way for that, that family to know his history, right? But Musa Islam was honest. He told him, listen, I'm a criminal, I killed somebody. I'm a, you know, a 
fugitive, I'm a runaway uh, criminal, and I'm hopeless, I have nothing, I'm poor. Is that a nice CV to have? Fathers, will you give your daughters to someone like that? Murderer, criminal, fugitive, homeless, no job. We're learning a profound lesson here, okay? Honesty. Um, Musa's honesty, listen to this. Musa's honesty is what was attractive for the father. A very amazing lesson for fathers. You want to give your daughters away? Look out for honesty in, in, in the guy. Look out for honesty. The father could have focused on, you know, he's a criminal, he's a, you know, a fugitive, he has no, no job, no house, he's, you know, he's poor. And he could have said, you know, this guy doesn't meet any of the criteria, right? If you do like a checklist of, in our real life, the checklist of the ideal match for your daughter, you would not meet a single one of those. But the father saw beyond all of these facts. What did the father say? see? He saw the honesty. He saw that, wow, this guy is, this guy is special. He's, he's telling us how, you know, how messed up he is. He's pretty honest. Okay? So, know the attractive qualities for your daughters. And we also learn from here humility. Humility on the part of Musa Being humble, not bragging about the fact that he's a prince and that you know, he has money and all these things. He was honest. Straightforward. And by the way, last lesson for the brothers who are extremely negative. I'm never going to get married. I'm a loser, I don't have a job, I'm not earning enough, and I'm not good looking, and you know, we live in a small house, and my mother's very evil, she'll never accept another girl to come in, you know, and take me from her. All these negative thoughts. Remember Musa CV. If Musa can get married, inshallah you can also. Okay? I mean, none of you has murdered anyone, none of you is a fugitive, none of you has, uh, you know, is homeless. So, inshallah, you have a chance, inshallah. Be hopeful. Alright, so, um, where are we? We are at the end. Alhamdulillah. What time is it? 8 to 9. Good, inshallah. So, we're finishing before time. Good, alhamdulillah. Allah said, We recite Yusuf, didn't he? We recite all few best stories. Uh, I hope that, you know, I was able to explain that or just portray to you some of the amazing lessons we have from these stories. Uh, how real these stories are, how so many heroes are hidden in these stories that we often overlook when we read a simple translation of the Quran, right? You won't get these details. But when you understand the perspective, you understand the details, then you really appreciate it. I want to demonstrate to you another, just one last thing about how amazing stories are in the Quran and we're done. This five more minutes and we're done. This ayah that I just recited to you, نَحْنُ نَقُصُّ عَلَيْكَ أَحْسَنَ الْقَصَصِ was from which surah? Who, remind, who remembers? Yusuf alayhi salam's surah. Okay, surah Yusuf. Would it be logical to have this ayah in surah al-qasas? Given that you know, Allah is talking about qasas and the surah's name is surah al-qasas, wouldn't that fit in with this surah more? Right? So the scholars of tafsir, they actually... Uh, this raised kind of like an interest in them to do some research on what are this, what are what's the parallels, what are the similarities between Yusuf Alayhi story and Musa's story. 
Where is the matter between Surah Yusuf and Surah Al-Qasas? Okay? And so I'm, what I'm about to share with you, Wallahi, when I was doing research, it just blew my mind away. Wallahi, it's, it's incredible how Surah Yusuf on its own is incredible, and Surah Al-Qasas on its own is incredible, and the parallels between the two are also awesome. Okay, so, so let's, let's start. So Surah Yusuf begins with a boy. Surah Al-Qasas begins with a boy. Surah Yusuf, father loves his boy. Father loves his son, right? The dream. Surah Al-Qasas, mother loves her son. Surah Yusuf, the father is afraid of separation from his son. Surah Al-Qasas, the mother is afraid of separation. In Surah Yusuf, the boy is separated from the father. Surah Al-Qasas, a boy is separated from his mother. In Surah Yusuf, the boy ends up in water, right? The well. Surah Al-Qasas, Musa ends up in a well. In Surah Yusuf, the siblings were the cause of separation. In Surah Al-Qasas, the sibling was the cause of the reunion. In Surah, Al Surah Yusuf, the child is rescued and taken to the palace of the minister. In Surah Al-Qasas, Musa is rescued and taken to the palace of the king. In Surah Yusuf, the husband retrieves the boy. In Surah Al-Qasas, the wife retrieves the boy. Shall we go on? Yes. There is more. In Surah Yusuf, the minister takes the boy to the wife. In Surah Al-Qasas, the wife takes the boy to the king. In Surah Yusuf, the husband takes the boy to an evil wife, by the way. In Surah Al-Qasas, the wife takes the boy to an evil husband. In Surah, Al Surah Yusuf, the wife or the husband says to the wife, Asa in yadfa'na aw attikhidahu walada. In Surah Al-Qasas, the wife says to the husband exactly the same words. Asa in yadfa'na aw attikhidahu walada. In Surah Yusuf, the boy is, is taken to an Egyptian palace. In Surah Al-Qasas, Musa is taken to an Egyptian palace. In Surah Yusuf, Yusuf is raised as a servant. In Surah Al-Qasas, Musa is raised as a prince. In Surah Yusuf, Allah describes his upbringing. In Surah Al-Qasas, Allah described Musa Exactly the same words. Not a single letter difference. In Surah Yusuf, right after this ayah that I just recited to you, there's a test. What's the test? It's the test between him and the wife of the minister. Remember that story? Yes? In Surah Al-Qasas, right after this ayah, is the test of Musa and the fight where he ends up killing somebody. Shall we go on? More. In Surah Yusuf, the test happens indoor in privacy. In Surah Al-Qasas, the test happens outdoor but there is a privacy. Remember, no one was there. No one saw the crime. Are you sure you want to go on? Yes. Surah Yusuf, the criminal is a woman. Surah Al-Qasas, the criminal is a man. In Surah Yusuf, Yusuf is innocent and he's taken to jail. In Surah Al-Qasas, Musa is guilty, but he escapes. In Surah Yusuf, Yusuf comes back and saves the city. In Surah Al-Qasas, 
Musa Islam comes and destroys the kingdom of Firaun. In Surah Yusuf, Yusuf comes back to prove his innocence. In Surah Al-Qasas, Musa Islam comes back to admit his guilt to Firaun. In Surah Yusuf, Allah teaches us about the haram relationship between a man and a woman. In Surah Al-Qasas, Allah teaches us the ideal way to get married. You see how incredible these surahs are? Do you all agree now that Allah's stories are amazing? Quran? Okay, there's, there's like 30 other points, but you know, due to limited time, I won't go on. Zalakumullah khair for paying attention. I hope that, you know, my intention today was just to amaze you with the story of the Quran. So even if you're amazed a little bit more than before, I will be happy, inshallah. So, Zalakumullah uh, khair, inshallah, tell these stories to your kids. Wallahi. When I started telling this, uh, these stories to my, my daughter, and by the way, always stop at uh, like a climax or like an interesting point and stop there to keep that excitement going. You know? And wallahi, they will be amused. Don't say it in chronological order. Don't tell them facts. All our kids know that Musa ended up in a river. All our kids know that the stick turned into a snake. All our kids know that the sea split and drowned round. That's boring. But when you tell it the way Allah tells it, it is really the best of stories. Thank you very much.